This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. It's that time we've been waiting for the topics worthy of discussion panel for Pizzaville, pound 3636. And joining us in-house, as she does most Fridays, the Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, Minister at Trinity St. Paul Center for Faith, Justice, and the Arts, and the former NDP MPP for Parkdale High Park. Good day for talk radio. Thank you for that, Sherry. Appreciate you coming in. John Capobianco with us, Senior VP, Senior Partner, and National Practice Lead for Public Affairs in Fleischman Hilliard's Toronto office. Good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon, John. Hope you're well. I am. Why? What have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> Just the rumors on the okay. street. Yeah, well, I worry about that, so I didn't know that they actually made it to your ears. What the hell? You're coming on the show sandbagging me like that. Unbelievable. Just kickstarted my heart. It's going like a trip hammer now. I gotta settle down, uh, stay cool. Okay, Michael Giles rounding out the panel. He's been in government 30 years, currently the Chief of Staff to Deputy Mayor Anna Bailau. How's Michael? I'm very good. Don't worry, John, you'll go like that. There'll be no pain. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, doctor. Uh, Speaking of doctors on uh, yeah, yeah. the Sunshine List. No. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Giles, I presume. Uh, well, let me ask you, I mean, here you are, you're close to the power there, uh, the Deputy Mayor Anna Bailau. Uh, when we've got the mayor earlier today in this program telling us all about his new gun buyback program along with the police, do you actually believe amnesties like this an amnesty a buyback program call it what you will we were just discussing it with some callers uh 200 on a rifle 350 on a handgun do they have any uh, meaningful impact like deterring crime first and foremost well i think they do i mean look at the last time we did it there was about 2000 firearms returned in in australia there was a uh, you know i think 51000 firearms returned in in the united kingdom they did one there was 40000 now these aren't you know these are not bank robbers coming in and handing in their guns these are uh, you know i assume generally targeted towards people who you know uh, some great uncle died and left a gun in the basement that kind of thing but at the end of the day you know in a lot of in a lot of those instances you have guns that aren't necessarily stored the way uh, you know, proper uh, gun owners do because they just, you know, the house that was in the basement, they found it, whatever. It literally just takes it out of the uh, out of the arena. You know, you get a gun out of the basement or you get it and just get rid of it. I mean, if 2,000 firearms in 2008, that's 2,000 less potential firearms on the street. So, yeah, I think it does work. And it's obviously worked in other places. And, uh, you know, why not do it? If it's 2,000 off the street or 2,000 that aren't properly stored or aren't safely taken care of, why not do it? Well, all right. I mean, uh, but the idea that somehow this is connected to deterring crime, that's a whole point and purpose behind it. Uh, or is it just civic leaders looking like they're doing something, John? I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think that civic leaders need to do something and, and obviously want to do something. And it's always tough to be able to uh, try to do anything that tackles um, gun violence because the people that are obviously performing and doing these violent acts are, are people that might might, might have, uh, you know, mental issues or other issues of some sort, but so it's not a question of of, of trying to resolve and trying to fix those. Um, but any gun off the street is is a good sign and is a good thing. And if this program gets two thousand or five hundred guns off the street that would otherwise be sitting in someone's drawer uh, at home or in in the basement somewhere that could be uh, misused or or stolen um, in in a in a in a house raid or something like that, I think is is good news. But you know, I think for this to be truly effective, you know, there's some sort of amnesty that has to. You know, Councillor Giorgio Mammoliti, I think, when he was a counselor and this debate came up uh, called for you know this to be effective it had to have pure amnesty in other words people that that might have committed crimes or done crimes you know go in and they would get amnesty and not be charged with it that's controversial i think that this is probably the safest way of doing it and, and it might get a couple hundred guns off the street which is not a bad thing all right uh, but is the logical extension of this argument then by taking guns off the street uh putting in effect a full handgun ban sherry 
Uh, no, no, it's not. And I and I think uh, you know, I think we've got general agreement here. I think it, you know, it's this is not the, the total answer, obviously, but it's a small step, and I think it's a good step. Uh, and again, these these guns, um, especially uh, when you look at the data, especially if it's done anonymously, um, that's that tends to help the deterrent factor so that people are handing in guns aren't having to out themselves that they own them um but you know, unless let kids, me just let me just yeah. issue the caveat mm-hmm. because i did ask the mayor and it, when they're tested ballistically if they're uh seen to have been used in the commission of a crime then they're going to do some investigating on you know the origin of that gun and the person who turned it in yeah uh yeah so uh, again the you know when you look at the stats of various jurisdictions some you see this has made a significant difference others not so much and one of the factors is the anonymity but i i think what they're doing is good and i think you know, again, teens at home, um, kids get their hands on these. Uh, even for the most, uh, you know, diligent uh, owner, um, bad storage can result in somebody lo- losing their life. And and we've seen that happen. We certainly see it happen in the States all the time. So the less guns, yeah, the better. All right. Uh, as we know, though, the guns still proliferate in the city because really where they're trafficked in from across the border or uh, on reservations that are spanning the border, that's the real, uh, I think, the bottleneck that you have to tighten off. But uh, nonetheless, let's just leave that for now. I just wanted to talk about other goings on at City Council. For example, when you've got Mike Layton, the Council for Ward 11, uh, putting forth a motion, and this was before, I guess, the uh, City's Infrastructure and Environment Committee yesterday, you know about this, Mr. Giles? I've heard a little bit about it. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> he, he wants to uh, go after the big polluters, including oil companies, uh, so they pay their fair share, uh, and even thinking of a lawsuit potentially uh, to see, you know, that this is somehow connected to climate change and it impacts the infrastructure. I know we've talked about it in the past when he first broached it, but now it went to the uh, Infrastructure and Environment Committee, who passed it unanimously. Where is this going? Is this anything of merit here? Well, this is uh, procedurally, this is where it was going to end up because when you when he presented it at council, the procedural rules require two thirds majority to waive referral to a committee. So, in other words, council with votes two thirds majority can literally send this straight to staff and say, prepare this report and report back to council. What they he didn't get the two thirds. So, what it did was it was referred to the committee and the committee that deals with it is infrastructure and environment. So, what they did is they looked at it and basically, you know, this is calling for a staff report. This is not saying, okay, let's go sue everybody. This is saying report on the costs, uh, <clears throat> comment on the, the potential for legal action, and report back. And they'll come back to the environment committee and, and they'll look at it and then they'll refer it to council and then council will vote. The mayor, I think, is taking a very reasonable position in this where he's basically saying, you know, we got to look, let's look at it. Let's see what the numbers are. Let's see what we come back. He doesn't seem to be supporting uh, the whole notion of legal action. He thinks it's kind of, you know, of an exercise, maybe in futility. But the point is, this is just asking for a staff report back. It's it's not like, you know, we're going to be hiring all these lawyers and then running into court right away. And it just went through the normal process here. It went to this committee. They voted on it. And uh, now it'll come back to that committee. They could even wow. you could even just receive that report for information. Yeah, I know, but you know the way you've described it, it sounds like this colossal charade taking place down there, where everybody's uh, playing around. Uh, you know, something that is not going anywhere. It's dead on arrival, as far as I can tell. Well, at the very least, we'll get a lot of information, <laughs> costs, factors, that kind of well, stuff. Well, I know, but these are the kinds of costs in terms of uh, staff, staff resources, resources that you know, so that when there are cuts to public health, uh, maybe the government of Doug Ford are right. You can make up for it by being a little more efficient and attuned to uh, doing things that actually have prospects of 
of, of getting past or fulfilled. But, uh, John, let me ask you your thoughts on this whole thing. I mean, going after, look, because the argument is that somehow climate change is caused by these big, big emitters. And the climate change is seen now in the flooding and uh, it impacts infrastructure and so on and so forth. I mean, is there a causal relationship there? Well, I'm sure there is. And, and there's a lot of people who are, are, I think a lot of folks who are non-believers are, are starting to get into the into the scientific facts of, of believing there's some sort of climate change that, that's happening out there. And But I think, you know, this punitive damage, you know, lawsuits to, to oil companies is not going to fix the issue. And it is one of those things where I think, you know, Councillor Layton probably wins on this because he came up and he's made in the news and he's this big, bad, you know, environmentalist and he's going to, you know, he's going to bring the oil companies down. And what what it's happened is it's gone to a staff, and it's going to be there for the next year or two years, and and they'll come back and say that it's not feasible to to uh, to sue an oil company. So the mayor, I think, was smart to be able to say, look, it, I believe in this. So there's be some some uh, uh, you know discussions with oil companies, but I'm not going to favor lawsuits or suing oil companies because, quite frankly, that's not going to solve the problem. And then you've also got that on top of carbon tax. So which end is it going to stop? And and this is exactly why Jason Kenney ended up getting 60% of the vote in Alberta. Uh, it is because of his message about the fight and the and this war on oil companies and 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 those that that are producing oil and doing things that make this country run uh, and quite frankly making us less dependent on foreign oil and foreign resources which is something that we should all be supporting. So this is just one of those things where it's gone to staff, staff's going to be re- reviewing it. Michael, you know best than anybody else it'll come back and they'll say this is not feasible to do, I suspect. Right. Well, and you know what, uh, Jason Kenney did invoke the name of Mike Layton in his campaign yes. to suggest that uh, this is how nuts it's getting. But uh, do you think it has any merit, Sherry? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? <laughs> we heard the same. We heard the same argument used uh, about tobacco companies uh-huh. and smoking at one point, and lawsuits, mm. and huge class action suits ensued and did make a difference on the smoking front. Yeah, but that's um, personal. But, but, though. That's uh, personal now here, damage. Here, will this will this affect you know dramatic change on the climate change front? No, but it, you know what it does is it's a signal out there that something has to happen. I mean, the wild-eyed radicals at the Canadian Insurance Bureau mm. are saying, you know, like 10 years ago, it cost us $400 million. This last year, it was $1.6 billion. Yeah. This is what we're looking at. A lot of that Some, has been discredited, Sherry. I do a lot of reading uh, on Canadian this. Canadian Insurance Bureau, and and not not only them, but just about every insurance bureau in the States is saying the same thing as, mm. as our state governments. They're using it so as we, a pretext to crank up premiums. We, uh, well, they're they're saying this is what's actually happening. And if you've been driving around Toronto, I just take go back to the potholes, you know, it's costing the city a whole lot of money, climate change. Where is that money going to come from? If it doesn't come from big business, it's going to come from you and me, and it's going to come out of our pockets. So, I mean, I think, again, something has to be done. This is, you know, again, it's symbolic, perhaps more than actual, but at least we're talking about it. That's but the consumer is going to get hit on that anyways, John. At the end of the day, it goes to the oil companies, and the oil companies are going to, it's the consumers, the end, at the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to be paying for this. Sure. I can see us going after Suncor for a pothole recovery fund or something like that. <laughs> well, we could go after them for, for actual deaths in the future, just like, like they did for the tobacco companies. Well, again, I cite uh, the tobacco thing was uh, very personal, personal and choice. direct. Yeah, yeah but uh, look, uh, I'll leave that one for now, and we'll get on with more topics worthy of discussion in a moment with the Reverend Dr. Sherry DeNovo, John Capobianco, and Michael Giles. Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.